So, David, some some sad news out of West Virginia. We're we're, gonna, we're coming out of the gate with sad news. Yeah, it's sad, but it's got an interesting twist to it. So, our governor for what to start the show with is as long as it's interesting. Yeah, twisted sad news. That's, well, it's October. I'm game. Go for it. What do you got? Well, make me sad. Okay, so but in a twisted way. Okay, Stacy Tinney, uh, just your normal West Virginian woman. Sounds West Virginian. Yeah, she uh, she checked her mail the other day and um, her mail was gone. It just wasn't there, right? I mean, well, was any mail delivered? Yeah, so mail was delivered, but when she went to check, it wasn't there. And she talked to some neighbors, and they had packages and mail that were supposed to be delivered, also missing. But there was something left in her mailbox. A laminated photo of a llama wearing sunglasses. I, I have many questions, <laughs> but I feel like I should just wait for them to be answered. Am I correct in assuming that I should just wait for the answers to come, or, or can I just dive right in with a question or two? Um, I don't know that we're going to get many answers here. But let me just... Can I, can I, one question? Yeah, one question. Cartoon llama or photo of a real-life llama? Actual llama wearing actual sunglasses. Okay, oh, so the sunglasses weren't even like... There were real sunglasses. Real sunglasses real on the llama in a photo. Okay. Laminated that, photo. That was an important thing. Okay. For, okay, go ahead. So go. so Stacy uh, actually has a security camera on her mailbox. I think it's like just the front of her house and it happens to oh, catch gotcha. the mailbox. Oh, gotcha. I thought she's serious about her mail safety. Like, what's being delivered to your house? Yeah. So she, uh, she checked the footage and she noticed that, yes, mail was delivered. And then shortly after that... A, uh, a black pickup truck came by and there was a woman kind of like hanging out the window, took her mail and put in this laminated photo of a llama wearing sunglasses. And uh, talking to her neighbors, similar things happened, right? And so she, she called... Okay, okay, wait. So, so other neighbors <laughs> also experienced the same thing where a, a black pickup truck comes in, a lady yep. leans out yep. and does the same thing with the same photo, exact same photo? Exact same photo. Okay. Okay. And so... She called the police down and learned from the police that this same pickup truck had been seen and there were been other reports. And, and uh, here, here's, here's a quote from, from poor Stacy. While the police were here, the truck was down at the park and ride at the same time. Someone told them the police were looking for them and they left, these, these two criminal individuals, right? Uh, criminal masterminds. <laughs> but not before showing them a picture of a llama and saying they were handing out wedding invitations. We don't know anybody who knows a llama personally, and definitely no one who gave us blank pictures of a llama as a wedding invitation. So you've got these two individuals running around West Virginia, taking people's mail, leaving a laminated llama wearing sunglasses, but also just hanging out in the park and ride parking lot, handing out these photos saying they're wedding invitations, but there's nothing written on them. David, I don't know what's going on in West Virginia. This, this doesn't happen to me a lot. I am speechless. I have no idea what to say about any of this that's going on right now. And unfortunately, there's like no resolution to Are this you, story. You just did that to me? I'm going to be thinking about llamas and sunglasses for the rest of the show. I won't be able to concentrate. What are they doing? What is this about? Is it just to steal the mail? They're not hiding themselves. They're just hanging out down the street. What yeah. is going on with these people? I am legitimately upset about what's happening right here. Yeah, David and listener, I'm so sorry to just drop this in your lap. You're kidding me. That's that. You're not going to say anything else about this. There's nothing more to say. What do you mean? There's nothing more. 
every day. Did the police apprehend these people? No. They're, what? They're on the loose, presumably with their llama. We have no other facts about this case. Um, but it got me thinking <laughs> about my favorite calling cards. Sorry for the rough transition there, but there's really nothing more to say about this llama case. Maybe in, an, uh, in a future episode, we can provide further clarification on what is going on in West Virginia. This is the new Swedish jewel heist for this show. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, uh, so I was thinking, what are my favorite criminal calling cards of all time? And the first thing that came to my mind was the Wet Bandits. Oh, okay, from Home Alone? Home Alone, right? So <laughs> The Sticky Wet Bandits. Well, Sticky Bandits was Home Alone 2, yes. Oh, my bad. I'm getting my Home Alones mixed up. That's my bad. Chronologically, they were the Wet Bandits first. And their calling card, if you remember, was to leave the faucets running after they'd... Yep, yep. After yep. they'd rob a home. Yep. Okay. Uh, what, what else? The Joker. Batman's Joker, right? Leaving playing cards. Usually a Joker, right? <laughs> Makes sense. The Riddler. He'd leave some kind of riddle or other puzzle. Or a big old question mark. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, it would help Batman solve, like, <laughs> like, like apprehend him at some future point, yeah, right? Well, that, that's the game. Yeah. The game is the foot, to quote Andy Dwyer. <laughs> I think my favorite calling card was uh, from an episode from season four of The Simpsons. Uh, it was the Springfield cat burglar. And, um, well, this particular episode... It starts off with with Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa. I mean, so, yeah, and, and Maggie. So they were all sleeping. The Simpsons. Yeah, all all five of them, and they were they were sleeping. And Lisa's saxophone was stolen. Marge's pearls. Bart's um, like portable TV and his stamp collection, which they make fun of him because he has a stamp collection. <laughs> Is that like the first time they came out? Yeah, He's like a closet stamp collector in this episode. Exactly. Of exactly, and. And so all those things were missing, but in their place was a like a business card, <laughs> and it said, it, it read, "You have just been robbed by the Springfield cat burglar," and it was like a very classy, very classy card. He he literally left a calling card. Nice. Right? Um. Anyways, I could go on about this episode. I won't do it, but I, I, I it just kind of it it makes me feel like I need a calling card. Like I need I want something for like when you commit a crime. Not a crime, but it just like, like when a bad I idea. just like when I leave a room, right? Like like something to to leave behind. So something I'm gonna ponder for a future episode. Hopefully hopefully we can provide you updates with regard with regard to the llama the llama episode. But at this point, it's more questions than answers. Okay, so in this opening segment, instead of allowing me to focus on you know sports or doing a podcast, you've given me two unanswerable questions. What's happening with this laminated llama story and figuring out your calling card? That's all I'm going to be thinking about for the show. Welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports. Oh, man, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Maybe your calling card could just be... I'm going to tell you something. Maybe and I can just leave. An ellipsis. <laughs> it's an ellipsis. Three dots. That's it. That's going to be your calling card. Just three ellipses on a, on a little post-it note or something. Peace. I'm going to give you a quarter of a story. Yeah, that's what it is. And I'm going to leave the room. Or like the first two lines of a haiku. <laughs> and then that's it. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. No, I know it's... Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. Knock, knock. Who's there? Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied who? This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only podcast in the known universe of podcasting things where two guys, David and Anthony, 
talk about sports, and super unsatisfying stories about laminated llamas being left in mailboxes and mail being stolen from those people. Well, that sounds like a podcast I'd listen to. No, no, no. You can uh, get our podcast on Google Play and iTunes. You can also listen to us on YouTube, but who are we kidding? Stop doing that and subscribe to iTunes or Google Play. It's better for you. It's better for us. Check, uh, go to our website, subjectivelycorrect.com, to check out old episodes or to get the links to our uh, uh, podcast on Google Play and iTunes. Uh, you can also send us an email at uh, subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the show, any interesting news stories you've run into, or any sports topics you'd like us to tackle. Because I think as we've established over the last 14 episodes of Subjectively Correct Sports, we can talk about anything. Yeah, except the resolution of stories. We're hard. You're gonna keep, those... I, I was past it. I had moved oh. past it. I was ready to move on. Mm. I was okay. I was good. I was ready to talk sports. And then you bring it up again. Mm. So, why? Why leave? Why? Why, why not so, just clean it out and leave nothing? Sometimes to truly vary something, you have to dig it up. Who's, who has ever said that? Suck on that chestnut for a while. <laughs> You're just giving me unanswerable things to think about. www.subjectivelycorrect.com at subcorrect on Twitter. What else, David? That's it. Boom. We nailed it. Yeah, we did. Good work by you. Yeah. <laughs> Good job by you. So, I want to start with NFL talk. A couple of cool things going on this week. Uh, old quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, there's a fading, dying breed of quarterback in the NFL. It's the Peyton Mannings, who have rode off into the sunset. More on that later. There's Drew Brees, uh, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and these... Did I say Peyton Manning again? Tom Brady. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. No, I don't even, I don't even put him in the same category. No way. No mm. way. He's not even the best quarterback on his team. Well. He's not. Well. He's not. He Okay. He should not be the starting quarterback for the Giants. He's getting old. He can't make the plays he needs to. He has one of the best receiving cores in the league, and he's still struggling. That mm. receiving core should be tearing up the league every single week. Every single week. But, anyway... Not what I wanted to talk about to start. So would you put him in, like, the second tier of quarterbacks? We're not doing quarterback tiers. Oh, okay. We're not doing quarterback tiers. What about in the looks department? I do. I, that is kind of my wheelhouse. Um, but I think he looks too confused all the time to be attractive. <laughs> yeah. He looks bewildered all the time. Like, one of my favorite phases in, like, little kids growing up is that phase when they're a baby where they look surprised all the time. Like all the time about everything. Like you hold up their binky for the third time in the last five seconds, they would look at they look like uh, they look at it like it's the first time they've seen it. They're like, whoa! Yeah, when you're when you're able to play peekaboo and every time it just like gets them right. Yeah, and yeah. then their face is just stuck in that surprise expression all the time. Like you're, you're walking them to church mm. and they see a leaf and they're like, whoa! Eli Manning looks like that all the time. Like he throws a touchdown pass and he looks surprised that it happened. He gets <laughs> sacked from behind. He looks surprised that it happened. Saquon Barkley runs for 100 yards and five touchdowns, which shouldn't surprise anybody because of those thighs. Right? Yeah. I mean, top 10 NFL thighs of all time, and he's a, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's places 7 through 10 of all time, right? Is that where he fell? I think so. I don't remember. I don't remember either. That was like 10 episodes ago. It's yeah. a long time ago. So I wonder what Eli's surprise face looks like. Like if oh, you like threw, his actual like surprise face? you threw him a surprise birthday party and he was legitimately <laughs> surprised? That's a good question. He has resting surprise face. Like you've heard of RBF? <laughs> yes. He has I've, resting I've surprise heard face. heard of that term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the B stands for bewildered, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. But anyway, so in, in one of the like, most perfect moments in NFL history, Drew Brees throws a long touchdown pass to break the record for passing yards in a career. 
And just this magical moment where it's like towards the end of the game, it was a huge touchdown, it was an important moment. He gets to go to the sidelines at home, hug it out with his wife and his kids. The, the pro- president of the Hall of Fame walks out in white gloves. Why? I don't know. A bunch of sweaty guys have just handled this ball and it's been all over the ground, but he has to carry it with white gloves. Like, is his hands more, are his hands more dirty than the ground and a bunch of sweaty football players? Not to mention the ball boys. Who knows where they've been? You don't know this guy. You don't know what he's done in his life. So I'm just saying, like, if you have to put white gloves on in your hands to handle a, a dirty ball, yeah, like you need to make some adjustments to your hand washing game, bro. Mm. You really do. Didn't uh, didn't Breeze or the Saints get get penalized for like excessive <laughs> celebrating on the play? It's like one of the most memorable moments in the history of a sport. NFL really isn't the no fun league. Oh, tell me about it. Like we're gonna let our we're gonna let our guys celebrate more unless. You have a career-defining and league-defining <laughs> moment, in which case we will penalize you for sure. Yeah. Get that nonsense out of here with the, the most passing yards in the history of the game. Anyway, that was cool to see that. It was a cool moment. And uh, ta- did you see the interviews of him what? talking about it after the game? Uh, no. Uh, he was emotional. It meant so much to him. His, uh, his grandfather and his mother have both passed away, and he contributed a lot of his success in NFL to them. And I'm surprised he held it together as well as he did because talking about the things he was talking about in that very raw emotional moment for him, I can't imagine. I, I could imagine getting through that interview, and he did it with a lot of poise. Yeah. So it, it, what, anyway. what I've always enjoyed about his game is how effortless he makes the quarterback position look. I mean, really, truly a breeze. <laughs> so uh another interesting thing that we ran into and this is a little quicker just talking about the old quarterbacks so tom brady threw an interception against the buccaneers this week mm. okay that is always surprising what's more surprising is that's the first interception tom brady has thrown on the road since 2015 oh that seems like a long time that's like um that's what 438 Fitzpatrick interceptions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if, I, if I carry carried the three, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but in Fitzpatrick's defense, he would have had like a bunch of wins and then yeah. a bunch of losses in that well, same time. Well, too. and that's accounting like for him only playing six games a season. Oh, right? got so. you, got yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was pretty incredible that he's had this run you know what i mean and uh, no, that's an incredible feat yeah. yeah he's 41 years old i it still surprises me that he's playing at a high level at 41 uh father time is going to win eventually he's undefeated but tom brady's given father time a run mm. for his money well, did you come up with that phrase no i don't think so oh, okay. it, it might be an original but i may yeah. have heard it somewhere else at some time but yeah father so. time is uh is undefeated mm. yep 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 just ask brett Favre and his a uh, copper tone armband commercial things or whatever those are you know what i mean no no those like <laughs> those, those like support band things like this, this is it something to do with like the magnetic pool of the earth or something is it like keeping him stable something like upright? that yeah okay. so he can he can play pickup football with other 50 year olds in his levi's <laughs> yeah that's right but he, Wrang- he what dominates it, yeah, okay whatever it is wranglers levi's denim something so anyway yeah so old quarterbacks playing good football it's been fun which leads me to the new quarterbacks so Mahomes threw a couple interceptions this week, and his oh. team still won by 16. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and when I, when I watch Mahomes play, he just looks crisp. His yeah. arm looks strong, his throws look solid, and he seems to make really good decisions all yeah. the time. I yeah. mean, for a young quarterback, that's what you worry about. You worry about the bad decisions, and Mahomes doesn't seem to make bad decisions. Now, we have talked about this. The mustached wonder, Andy Reid, the, the wonderful walrus, 
he doesn't make uh, he makes great play calls. He comes up with really yeah. good offensive game plans. So how much is that? How much of that is Andy Reid? How much of it is Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. But Mahomes' arm is solid. His throws are accurate, and he keeps making great decisions, which is something we normally don't see in a quarterback in a second year. So yeah, and the, and the Chiefs are five and zero right now, and so it's just a question of is history going to repeat itself like most. Andy Reid teams of the past where they start off very hot and then something happens, the league catches up, there's enough film about what they're currently doing that the defenses adjust. Or is this is this the year where they sustain it and um, and make some noise in the playoffs? I think the major difference in this Kansas City team is uh, Sammy Watkins is like their fourth option on yeah. offense. <laughs> yeah. Right? Think about that. Hunt, uh, I can't even think of them. There's so many. Hunt, Kelsey, uh I can't even... Hill. Hill. Yeah. I mean, those guys right there, those three are one of the most... That's one of the most dynamic uh, three players in football right now. Definitely mm-hmm. when it comes to making big plays, right? And then you add a, t- a talented wide receiver like Sammy Watkins on top of that. It's just... In my years, I've, that? I've never seen a triumvirate as dynamic as those three. You are so proud of yourself for using <laughs> that word. I've been sitting on that for like 17 years. Have you really? That's the first time you've used it. In seven, you learned it 17 years ago on a flashcard in school, and you're yep. like, I'm going to throw this out one day. Yep. Now's the time. There are three of them. I got this. Studying for the SAT finally paid off. Did you study for the SAT? No, I just went in there cold. Yeah, I did that too with the SAT. Yeah. yeah, man, imagine if we actually tried it something. Oof. Imagine if we tried it this. Oh, it'd be really good if we tried. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of okay. trying, Baker Mayfield won a game too. What's that now? Doesn't Baker, Baker Mayfield won a game. No, but doesn't he play for the Browns? Yeah, no, that's why it's surprising. Yeah, wow. Browns are having an amazing year. Yeah, let me look what at are they, they got, Well, like two wins, two losses, a tie, something like that, right? Um, and it's his first win as a starter, right? Because he came in as a he came in off the bench in uh, what the the Browns' third game of the season, I think, maybe second game of the season. The Browns have doubled the previous two seasons' win totals. <laughs> And it's week five. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, maybe all they needed, all they needed was a little Mayfield. Yeah. So yeah, it, he'll be exciting to watch too, mostly because of that Heisman commercial where he pretends to, he takes that little OU flag and he plants it in the sandwich that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Marcus Mariota just made, and then he takes the sandwich away. I don't watch enough TV. <laughs> I it's a great commercial. I need to watch this commercial. It's a great commercial. The Heisman House commercials are pretty solid. Okay. But anyway, Baker Mayfield, he'll continue to grow. And if you can uh, if you can be successful as a quarterback in Cleveland, you can do anything. <laughs> like, not just in the NFL. Like, I'm not saying he could go yeah. and be a successful like, quarterback anywhere. I mean, he could, like, fly a, a could, paper airplane to the moon. Yeah. Wow. He could solve world hunger. I don't know why he's wasting his, his amazing power on playing football for the Browns when he could literally solve world hunger. Because apparently he can do anything because yeah. he's winning with the, the Browns. Awesome. But you know who actually won them the game? It wasn't Baker Mayfield. Are, are you sure? Because that's, I mean, Mayfield, it's Baker Mayfield. Did you hear my story about the flag thing and the, and yeah. the sandwich? No, no, no. He's, he's the flag and the sandwich he's, guy. Okay, he's, he's story B of this NFL week, okay? Because story A belongs to the unsung hero of every football team. The mascot? The kicker. Oh, Okay. This Kick, kickers. Okay. D- David, this was the week of the kicker. All right. So I'm just gonna roll through some of some of the astounding feats these kickers pulled off in week five of this NFL season. Greg Joseph of the aforementioned Browns uh, kicked the game-winning field goal to put the Browns up 12-9 over the Ravens in overtime. By the way, the in Browns overtime. live in overtime. Yeah. 
Now, let, that's uh, overlooking the uh, the field goal he missed at the end of regulation. That <laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> yeah, a, a winning right. field goal erases a lot that's of right. stuff. It erases a exactly. lot. Bill's kicker, Steven Waschka. I'm sorry. Hit me up with that one again. Steven Waschka. <laughs> There's a lot of vowels together and consonants get together. I think that's that's roughly how it's pronounced. Basically, it looks like he should be playing hockey in Canada. <laughs> he hit a game winner. Uh, over the Titans to win 13-12. Cairo Santos put the Rams up 33-31 to over the Seahawks late in the fourth quarter. Dan Bailey of the Vikings kicked, uh, made three field goals on the day, including one with two minutes, 47 seconds left. Clutch. In the fourth to uh, lead the Vikings 23-21 over the Eagles. Ooh, I bet they like that. Texans kicker, here we go, Kaimi Fairbairn. Is this where all the crazy names go? Like you have a crazy, <laughs> you have a crazy name. Go kick a ball. Yeah. <laughs> Your name is Smith. Go play fullback. He made four field goals on the day, including a 36-yard overtime winner against the Cowboys. Go Texans. Okay, but the the absolute best kick of the week and the best audio you're going to hear, maybe ever, maybe. That's uh. This is coming it, it, after. This is coming after the fecal people episode of our podcast. You this, realize that, right? This. This rivals Mary Moose Poop. Um, it, by the way, it's uh, it's just past 8.30 now. <laughs> okay, David, let, let's take a listen to... Okay, let me, let, me, let me set the stage a little bit. Panthers are down 30-31 to 31 to the Giants. There's six seconds left in the fourth quarter. And Graham Gano has a shot to win it with a 63-yard field goal. That would tie the second longest field goal of all time. And his career long, at this point in time, is a 59-yarder. Against, of course, my favorite team, the 49ers. Yep. So let's take a listen uh, and hear what happened. Oh, and this is in Spanish. Le ha sobrado distancia. Le van a servir. Tiene altura. Tiene profundidad. Va a llegar. Va a llegar. Ganó, lo ganó. Ganó, lo ganó. Ganó, lo ganó. Okay, uh, first of all, audio courtesy of, of Jaime Moreno and Luis Moreno Jr. Uh, they're the stars of this call. Um, so Wow, I, I am lightheaded. Yeah. I need a minute. Uh, so they are uh, the Panthers radio broadcast team, and they were a little excited because if you couldn't tell, if you don't speak Spanish, um, gano lo gano. Yeah, and translate that for the people. That means Gano, who's the what the kicker's name, Graham Gano. Gano won it, right? Yeah. He made the sixty-three yard field goal. Um, it's one of my favorite parts is when it kicks in the air. He keeps saying "Vaya, Vaya, yeah, it's gonna make it. It's gonna, it's gonna make, make it. it. It's gonna make it." And then and then the other one cuts in. Luis, oh, he made it. He did it. And then, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> they just go crazy. And then magic happens. <laughs> magic. It's really cool because it's it's all the excitement of the soccer announcer, the Latino soccer announcer yelling, go, yeah. and like freaking out. Yeah. But then for football, which was cool, a game-winning field goal, which somehow we love. I, you know, I hope at some point in each of our lives, we're able to fill 
as passionately about something as this broadcast team feels about the Panthers. <laughs> I do. I, I feel that way. But man, I don't know if I've ever expressed it in that way. <laughs> I know I haven't. I know I've, like, even one of my most favorite things, like going to see a new Star Wars movie, I'm never like, it's coming, it's coming, it's here, Star Wars time is here. And I don't like Whoa. freak out. Whoa, did I hit something? Yeah, no. That was, that was pretty passionate. That was good. Yeah. And I, I was kind of faking it. Yeah. Um, a little bit. <laughs> So, by far, that's my favorite sports call of, the, of the recent memory, right? I mean, there's some there's some classic ones. Yeah, Miracle on Ice. You know, I don't think anything's going to ever top that. You got Vince Scully calling Kirk, calling Kirk Gibson's home run in the 1988 World Series. Uh, these are classics. But but this, I mean, this will go down as, as one of the most exciting calls. Yeah, if you like that, just look up previous... Uh, uh, Games by these announcers. Yeah. They have some pretty uh, cool moments in uh, Panthers football announcing their games and stuff. It's pretty sweet. So it was the week of the kicker, but unfortunately not all kickers fared as well as uh, as some of the other ones we mentioned. I'm so mad at this guy. <laughs> uh, Mason Crosby, who is the kicker for the Green Bay Packers. For now. <laughs> yeah, he may, I'm just kidding. He he's, be. he's been with them for a long time. I <laughs> doubt they'll kick him out now. But. He, he may be out of a job. He missed five kicks on Sunday, four field goals and one extra point. It's like we move the extra point back a few <laughs> yards and everybody loses their minds. Uh, in a 31-23 to 23 loss. So if you add that up, four field goals, that's 12. Extra point is one. That's 13. And they lost by eight. Mm. So it's... All right. I feel, I feel bad for these kickers because... There's so much pressure. You got you have one job, so it's really hard to redeem yourself when you do poorly, right? And it sticks it sticks out because the play is all about you. Um, I mean, there's times I guess where a field goal can get blocked and it, the lines fall, or the you know there's a bad snap or a bad hold. And thinking about that, but, when's the last time you saw a bad snap or a bad hold? I can't remember the last rare. time I saw a bad snap or bad hold. It feels like they happen more often before. It's really rare. Yeah. Um, and so you feel bad for these kickers when they miss and they and the spotlight's on them. But at the same time, they really do only have one job. And they get to practice it all the time. That's all they have to practice. They don't have to memorize plays. Maybe you have one trick play that you have to memorize. And your job on that is to make sure you act like really well, yeah. like you're actually going to kick it. That's usually what they ask you to do. Yeah. And so it's so it's surprising, you know. I mean, I've kicked a field a football, and it's it's not like an easy. It's not like a soccer ball, right? It's it's a little bit harder to direct. But like you would think, if it were your only job, and you were one of thirty individuals who do it better than anyone else, like allegedly, you would be a, you would be almost automatic at this at least within like 40 yards yeah and that's the thing like the ball being oddly shaped and stuff it's not easy to kick right it's just not one of my favorite developments in football now is it seems like kickers now have like ripped biceps right they come out to kick a ball and <laughs> the like jack kicker arm. yeah i love it's one of my favorite developments in football like a kicker will come out and you're like they do a close-up you're like oh is that the fullback and they pull it out and he's got he's like really weird and top heavy yeah <laughs> and like but with like a, one huge leg and one skinny leg and like oh he must be the kicker because there he goes to kick it but like on a on a like a, a close shot yeah he looks kind of ripped like i love I, that that's that's kind of funny to see these days i mean when you have one job you have a lot of time to uh to spend working on the guns yeah it's like you go to the you go to the practice board like the practice schedule and it's like okay curls for two hours and then kick the ball for two hours, and then curls for two hours, and then kick the ball for two hours. And they get paid tons of money. And I'm, I'm seriously, that little bit of ridicule for missing a few kicks 
is worth the millions of dollars, if you ask me. Because like you make yeah. a kick like Gano, and, and Gano lo Gano, and people are screaming and having a great time, right? And you make millions of dollars. Awesome. Then you miss a kick, and people are upset at you for a while. But then you win. Like Your team wins the next week, and you have yeah. nothing to do with it. Everyone forgets about the week before where you missed, right? Yeah, ultimately, unless you're missing the game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl, like people are probably going to get over it. Laces out, Dan. <laughs> That's an Ace Ventura reference. Mm-hmm. That's fake football. That wasn't real football. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, speaking of Einhorn. <laughs> Are we? No, actually, we're not. So I, w- I want to talk about college football for a second, but there's only one thing in college football that really interests me, and that's the team that's probably going to win the national championship because you gave a coach. Playoffs? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about playoffs. Uh-oh. So it feels like a foregone conclusion at this point because the team that everyone knows is going to be in the playoff every year has been given one of, if not the best quarterback in college football now. And so Nick Saban, who wins without a good quarterback, is suddenly given to a, to a dang it, I was going to nail his name and I screwed it up, but to a Tago Vailoa. You know how I uh, remember it? How? Uh, Taco Viola. <laughs> Taco Viola, Tago Viola. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Do it again for us. To uh, Taco Viola. <laughs> I actually think it's Taco Bailoa, but that's pretty close. Yeah, but when you say it fast enough, no one really knows. Okay, do yours. To a Taco Bailoa. Taco Bailoa. Yep. Do it again. Taco Bailoa. Taco Bailoa. Taco Bailoa. <laughs> Taco Bailoa. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. Whatever, saying. whatever. But anyway, so now all of a sudden, a coach that doesn't need a great quarterback is given a really good quarterback. And it's like, what do you expect other teams to do? They're rolling teams by 60, like... It's amazing. So now I don't know if there's anything to do other than give Alabama the trophy. And I know anything can happen in football, especially in college football. Any given Sunday, David. Cool. cool or cliche. Saturday. Cool cliche, bro. Mm. But seriously, like, why do we even watch football anymore when Alabama's concerned? I, I don't even watch because I know what's going to happen. I'm just going to watch the highlights. Well, it's going to be five minutes of Alabama running all over people and then the yeah. game ends. All right, David. But there are 10 other teams that would uh, like to stake claim to the. BCS championship right now. Sure, I'll hear me. You go ahead. All right, there are currently eleven undefeated teams. Okay. In the BCS, all right, Alabama's one of them. Um, but any of these teams, scratch that. Eight of these teams could could make it to the playoff, right? You've got Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Georgia, West Virginia. And then it starts to drop off from there. NC State, Colorado, UCF, South Florida, Cincinnati. All of them are 5-0 or 6-0. Some of these teams are going to lose. It's much more likely that you have your Colorado and South Florida losing in the near future. Um, But there is a legitimate scenario where six or seven of these teams end the season undefeated. Okay, we've only played six weeks so far. It's it's barely halfway through the season. So we'll see what happens. But what I'm most interested in it is, say you have Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson all go undefeated. Okay? That'll be the playoff. That's the playoff. But what if UCF also goes undefeated? They went undefeated last year, and they were kept out of the BCS playoff. Right, and then they beat Auburn in a bowl game. And beat Auburn in a bowl game. Can they go undefeated two years in a row and not make the playoff? Does that delegitimize the playoff if they don't make it? 
I think I think if they're undefeated and one of those four teams is not, you got to give them a shot. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is they lose a game that no one expected them to win. And the best thing that could happen is they do win a game that no one expected them to win. And they take down a powerhouse like Georgia or Clemson or Alabama. Well, not Alabama. But you know what I'm saying? Like, So there's only good things can come of that. So I think if, UFC, if UCF goes through undefeated, they should get a chance to play in the champ, in the playoff, if for no other reason, then they, you know, two years in a row going undefeated, they need a shot. Yeah, I think the one argument against them, and it is a strong argument, is that their strength of schedule is is almost it's like non-existent, right? Right, but they still beat Auburn last year, right? It's true, it's true. So why couldn't they do the same thing again? Because Auburn was a legit team last year that had an argument to be in the playoff. They just lost to one of the teams that eventually went to the playoffs. Right, so they were clearly a great team who just happened to lose to a team that was a little bit better that day. So who's to say if they played that same game five times that Auburn wouldn't have won it three times? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I I want UCF to be in the playoff, but I don't know if I can make the argument that they should be in at the expense of another undefeated team. Oh, yo, I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. If one of these big programs that has a much tougher schedule is undefeated, those undefeated teams with the the tougher schedule should get in and, and would get in, right? Yeah. If for no other reason, then they're going to draw more eyeballs. Yeah. But if if let's say Ohio State loses a game or two and Notre Dame loses a game and then UCF is undefeated, UCF should be in the playoff. Yeah. Well, we'll see. These uh, you know, the rankings currently have them at at nine or ten. The the real ranking that matters doesn't come out until the end of the month. So, so we'll see what happens. But I, I hope, just for the sake of drama, that there are five or more undefeated teams at the end of the season. I just I would love to see how they handle that. Because inevitably, what happens every year, you have these undefeated teams until, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks sometimes into the season. And then you've got, you know, maybe two or three at the most who are undefeated. And so it's it makes the committee's job much easier. And so it, it would just be great to see how they handle Five or more undefeated teams. I have the perfect way to placate those scorned teams that feel like they got the shaft and didn't get in. What you do is you take a laminated picture of a llama in sunglasses and leave it in their mailbox. It's that time, the time of the week that you and I just get to listen to David as he talks for a minute or about that time frame. It's Dave's Hot Take Minute. Now, we didn't talk about that before, and I wish we would have. Yeah. Because I do not want that anywhere near Dave's office. Okay, you want, a, you want like a more upbeat version? No, 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 no. No? No, I just, I just rather just, just get just into it. Just some beats? I can't stop thinking about Night of the Roxbury now. Was it your goal? What is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt oh, me. Oh, you should see my head right now. No more. You should see his hands. What is love? <laughs> I do Baby, great hand don't work. hurt me. Don't hurt It's me. Dave's Hot Take Minute. No. On your mark. Get set. Go. Peyton Manning, we get it. You used to play football really well. You don't need to keep poking your honky-tonk nose in everyone's business. Also, Peyton, I'm a huge fan. Just had to make sure that was out there. <laughs> I have a coworker who loves hockey. She told me there was a huge fight yesterday. I asked her who it was. She said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't know, I don't care. There was a fight, and it was awesome. <laughs> her students are afraid of her. I can't imagine why. Uh, Peyton, a simple letter of congratulations, a text message, a delivery from edible arrangements, basically anything in private would suffice. Stop making Drew Brees' accomplishments about you. But seriously, I'm a huge fan. (laughs) Odell Beckham Jr. is the best wide receiver and the best quarterback on his team. Speaking of Mannings, Peyton, 
You were supposed to ride off into the sunset. That Super Bowl with Denver was, and I'm quoting you here, your last rodeo. I'm not sure you get this whole cowboy last rodeo right into the sunset thing. But seriously, I've followed your career since college. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. Patrick Mahomes finally threw an interception. He was playing against Blake Bortles, who threw more interceptions. <laughs> One traveled less than two yards, and another bounced off his own lineman's helmet. Ooh. Is there a guy in the Jaguars organization that comes to meetings and says things like, I'd like to revisit the Blake Bortles' bad discussion. I have some new evidence, like I do every week, I'd like to present. I bet that guy keeps thinking, they'll listen this week, I'm sure. Just a heads up, buddy. They won't. But I need to give Bortles some credit. He didn't throw an interception in week three. But that week, he didn't throw a touchdown either. And he only threw for 155 yards on 34 attempts and ended with a 72.5 rating and a 6-9 loss to the Titans. Why is he still the quarterback in Jacksonville? I bet Peyton Manning could think of a clever video message to cheer him up. Love you, Peyton. Huge fan. Now, I'm going to spend the rest of the show trying to figure out how to get the Conor McGregor package at my job. Fail repeatedly and be the highest paid person in my field. <laughs> awesome. Awesome hot, hot take minute, David. I... I also am interested in that Conor McGregor package. It's true, though, huh? He hasn't won a fight in a while. Right, right. And so he goes off and fights Floyd Mayweather. They hug it out at the end like they're best bros because they just know, like, we just played all these suckers. He's got $100 million. Yeah, to, to, to cat fight each other, to, like, yeah. pot each other's faces. Like, the little fights I have with your cat Mamba, he has a cat named Mamba. And I feel like that's what they were doing for a bunch of rounds. Then he got paid a ton of money. I want that. I want that package. He loses, and he keeps failing up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know where you can't lose and keep going? Hmm. MLB playoffs. That's true. Nice segue. That is a segue. Yeah. It, yes, it, was, it was really smooth. It was really smooth. Yeah. You know, I love talking about my segues. I, I can tell. So I feel like talking about the segue takes away from the segue. Yeah. Okay. That's one man's opinion. Also, the more you say segue, the more I think about the little motorized vehicle, the Segway. Yeah. Which makes me think about Paul Blart. Mall cop. Yeah, yeah, that one. Is there another Paul Blart I don't know about? Is it Paul Blart like a fullback for Georgia or something like that? I haven't... Paul Blart does sound like a fullback name, right? Could Paul Blart play another position? Uh, no, Paul... no, not, the, not the character, but yeah. Paul Blart the name. Like if Paul Blart was on the back of someone's jersey, imagine P. Blart. Mm -hmm. What position is P. Blart playing in college football right now? Yeah, I think fullback is the obvious choice. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Blocking tight end, maybe. Yeah. Um, he's definitely not he's a skilled definitely guy. He's definitely wide. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a wide name. Yes, it is. It is. It's like the tiny name on the big jersey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the Blart, right? Like, yeah, it's got to be, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Paul Paul could be anything. Paul's mm -hmm. great because it could be anything. But Blart. Blart is definitely it's not a quarterback. Like, it's Blart like is no quarterback. An artistic blob, which is what a lineman is, right? So all I heard was that you called line play... An art form. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay. So the Dodgers advanced. So did the Brewers. Dodgers beat the Braves 3-1 uh, to one in their division series. Brewers swept the Rockies. They're going to meet in the National League Championship Series. Called by my two favorite announcers, Joe Buck and John Smoltz. More on Smoltz later. <laughs> and uh, 
In the American League, the Astros are awaiting the winner of the Yankees-Red Sox. And Dave, what's the real-time update of that game? Do we I know? was afraid to pull it up because last time I watched baseball while we were doing the pod, you got mad at me and turned it off. That's very true. The Do you y- want me to look it up right now, though? Because sh- I can. You can look it okay, up right now. Up, the, can, the, can I? Is that okay? Is it okay if I look it up right now? It, it was okay. Oh, is it not okay now? Because I can back off. <laughs> No, here we go. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, so so the Red Sox are leading 2-1 in the series, and in tonight's game... And right now they're up 4-1 in the top of the sixth with two outs. All right, so if this result, result holds, then the Astros and Red Sox will be meeting in the American League Championship Series, winner playing the winner of the Dodgers and Brewers. So I, I think the uh, you know the, the Brewers, Rockies, uh, there wasn't that much drama. Some of the games were close. But the Rockies just couldn't put any runs on the board, which is surprising for them. Did they score any runs in that series? They got uh, yeah. shut out a couple times, right? No, they, they did. They went to extra innings in the first game. Um, it took till like, the ninth inning for them to score, but, but they did put some runs on the board. Uh, the Brewers just have a really interesting and good pitching staff, but they've got – they don't have any good starting pitching, which is the, the kind of the adage that you always hear is that starting, starting pitching, pitching wins, wins playoff games, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but they they started a reliever in their first in the, in the first game against the Rockies, um, who went like two or three innings, and that's that's their mo. That I mean, all they care about it's not even they don't even really like divide starting and relief pitching. It's out getters. Like how many outs can you get us, right? And if you can get us six outs, that's great. Then we'll put in someone who can get us six more outs, and they'll they'll throw five, six, seven, eight pitchers in a game just to get those twenty seven outs. And, and we've talked about this before, and that's kind of the way baseball is going. Like They realize that starting pitchers, even great ones like Clayton Kershaw, you see him three times in one game, and you kind of get a feel for him, and you can start hitting him, right? That happens to a lot of pitchers. So my question is, do they, do they like go deep into the analytics and choose which pitcher to pitch that day based off of the analytics and comparisons or, or um, matchups that day? Or do they just kind of say, hey, let's give the, this guy some run and this guy some run? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How deep do they go with that stuff? Do you know? No, I mean, the A's employ the same tactics, so do the, the Rays, and they are very reliant on analytics. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're crunching the numbers like every day and, and deciding based off some spreadsheet who should be pitching to who. Right. right? Uh, whether whether the Brewers are, are that deep into it, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I really hope the Dodgers win, hope they make it back to the World Series. But I'm really scared of this Brewers team. They're really hot. They've won, I think, 11 games in a row going back to the regular season. Yelich is going to keep hitting, man. Yelich is a monster. And um, I, I hope he comes back down to earth a little bit this series. But he's great. He's It's hard not to root for that guy. Um, but ultimately, even if the Dodgers make it to the World Series, I'm really scared of these American League teams. They are so impressive. Dude, the Astros are a buzzsaw. Yeah. Are they better than they are, were last year? They are. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're a lot better and they have better relief pitching, which was like their one, one weakness last year. And they, they kind of addressed it, you know, whatever you think about the guy they, they added Roberto Asuna, um, he had some legal issues and we, we addressed that, you know, months ago on the show, but, um, he's doing a good job for them. So yeah, I don't know if anyone can take them down. Maybe the Red Sox can, and I think the Red Sox are a better matchup for the Dodgers. If if they were to meet, I'd uh, you know I think it's more of a coin flip. If the Astros make the World Series, I don't I don't see either the Dodgers or the Brewers really taking them down. So we'll see. They've got they've got such a great combination of starting pitching, hitting, 
um, and uh, and guys who have been there before and done it, which I think is important in the playoffs. Right, but I think uh, the Dodgers adding Machado, I know one player can make a huge difference in the playoffs especially, yeah. and I think Machado makes a big difference. Well, so. they, uh, the Dodgers actually, yeah, so they had um, three, three players in last night's uh, game against the, the Braves where they won the series. Machado came up big with four RBIs. Um, Ryan Madsen, relief pitcher, I think his name's Ryan, Madsen, relief pitcher, came in and uh, came in with a bases loaded situation and got him out of the inning without giving up any runs. And then David Fries got two very important RBIs off a single. Is he the and, most clutch hitter in, in baseball history? At least in October. Like playoff baseball comes around yeah. and David Fries just hits balls everywhere. Yeah, and, and each of those three players were not on the opening day roster. They weren't on the roster at the All-Star break. They were all post-All-Star game acquisitions. And so I think that this front office, um, you know, for there are legitimate gripes about how much they tinker with the lineup. And, you know, you see a different Dodgers lineup every single game almost. Uh, there are some legitimate gripes, but they they it they never stop working. They never stop trying to find the right matchup for for a particular inning or game. And so it, it is nice to be a fan of a team that puts money and analytics into the into the program and put together a big product. They've Dodgers have won six straight National League West division titles. They're in their fourth straight National League Championship Series, and if they win, they'd be in their second straight World Series. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, it's so hard to win a championship, and it's hard to get to the playoffs consistently, and they're doing an amazing job. I think one of the best examples of how good the, the Dodgers front office is is picking up Max Muncy and what he's become for them. I mean, they put him, they put their players in a position to succeed. They make sure their players are, not, are never in a position to fail, unless you're playing... Kenley Jansen, I guess. Mm. But anyway, but they don't put their players in a position to fail. And Max Muncy is a great example of that. They put him in situations where they know he can't excel. And he has he's where performed he for them. maximize his efficiency? You really his power? You got maximized out there and you're like, I'm up in the air with nothing to do here. Oh, I just really wanted to use max. I know. Maximum effort. Yeah, that swing. Max though. power. Oh, that swing. That swing is great. His his home run the other day to opposite field mm-hmm. was amazing. He has so much power, but his swing is so smooth that he was able to go opposite field and hit a home run. And it looked, I don't want to say effortless, but it didn't look like, you know, it just looked like a, a normal smooth swing. Yeah. And it, it carried. Uh, you know what I love most about his home runs? I love that swing. Are the bat drops. Not the bat flips, the bat drops. He gets the bat from hips to ground faster than any other baseball player. It's fantastic to watch. Like, he just drops the bat, and it's almost like it's a lead bat. It's just, boom, right to the ground. So is he Is he like, okay, I'm trying to visualize this. So he's not throwing it down or pushing it down at all. He just lets go, but it's like the... I think there's a little bit of a push to it down, but it, it it's just a really cool effect. It's like he knows when he hits that home run, and boom, the bat. Like, I'll know he hit a home run based on how he drops the bat. Okay, that's something <laughs> yeah. to watch out for. Yeah, check so don't, out. don't watch the ball. When Max Muncy's at the plate, just watch for how quickly the bat gets to the ground, and that's your indication it's of home run or not. It's all about the bat drop. Yeah, I'm more about the bat flip. Like, <laughs> I love when Yasiel Puig hits, like, an infield single and throws the bat into the third row. Give me some more of that, dude. <laughs> Puig had a funny game the other day. He uh, <laughs> he got caught stealing on a delayed steal. He, like, he tried to he tried to steal the base after the catcher had already caught the ball. Classic little league move. He was a he, he tried to wait until the catcher was about to throw the ball back to the pitcher and time it just right so that he he could catch them 
um, catch them sleeping a bit. But he went a little too early, and the catcher was able to throw him out at second base. And then the the very next inning, he he caught a, a pretty um, pretty hard fly ball. And he ended up on the ground with his back toward, towards the infield. And he just threw the ball over his head towards second base. And this brings up a couple things. One, let the kids play. Absolutely. That was so entertaining and so fun. Um, and two, if that's the message from Major League Baseball. Like that, that really awesome um, ad that they did that said, let the kids play with yeah. King Griffey Jr. If, at the end. That gave me the chills. It was so cool. If Right. If the strategy is let's embrace these personalities, let's hype up these young entertaining athletes which uh is the right strategy that's yeah. the correct strategy yeah. yes do more of that yes please if that is the strategy more Puig. why are we letting people like john smoltz call these series like he it, he's so grumpy he hates the game of baseball today he loves the game of baseball in 1990 right he's never seen anything more ugly than a shift um Having, I, I I can't wait for him to call this Brewer series and to see a starting pitcher go like three innings. Yeah, go three, go three batters. <laughs> yeah, um, that's just like antithetical to everything he believes in as a baseball player. He thinks a pitcher should pitch 120 pitches, go go into the deep into the eighth inning, and maybe even pitch the whole game. Um, and it's just like the analytics do not back that up. And maybe that's how the game was played, but, yeah, but that doesn't make it the right way to play it. It worked out once in the history of baseball, and that's when you had Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox on the same <laughs> pitching staff. And he's like, that's the way we did it. That's the way everyone should be able to do it, right? That's one of like one of the most prolific pitching staffs in the history of baseball. And he's like, why can't everyone just do it like us? That's yeah. like LeBron going to his teammates and just being like, hey, just play better like me, guys. Just be like <laughs> me, and everything will be fine. That's what Smoltz is asking them to do. Hey, mm-hmm. be like the best pitching staff in the history of baseball. Luckily, LeBron's finally on a team that has the talent to match his. So, oh my gosh, excited about that. Um, so yeah, Smoltzy. I mean, smile, right? You get to you get to watch and talk about baseball for a living after getting to play it for a living. Like that's pretty sweet. Let's I don't know. Let's turn down the negativity just a little bit. It's hard. It's hard to promote your game when you have people saying no more game, stop playing. But with all that going on, with the old curmudgeons like Smoltz in the, in the, talking about the game, we have players like Acuna for the Braves doing amazing things. He was the, he's the youngest player in baseball history, and baseball's been around for a long time. The first World Series was played in 1903, and he's the, first, he's the youngest person in playoff baseball history to hit a Grand Slam. So he's 20 years old. He hit a Grand Slam the other day, which is super rad. Good for him, right? And this Braves team is going to be really good for a long time if they can add pitching and yeah. keep these young position players healthy and keep them developing the way they are. They're going to be really good. So yeah, they'll be a problem. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, also we had Brock Holt, who hit for the first cycle in Major League Baseball history. So again, baseball postseason history. Yeah. So baseball's been around for a long time, and the cycle is super rare. That's when you hit a single, a double, a triple, and a home run in the same game. And he did it for the Red Sox the other day against the Yankees. That's awesome. The first time in playoff baseball history. That's super cool. If the Red Sox do advance, which it looks like they will, I hope he does it every game of the American League Championship Series. Just, just, And that might give them a shot to take down the Astros. Maybe. That's what it's going to take, it seems like. So uh, I hate to uh, I hate to put a rain on our baseball parade, but there's something really interesting that's been going on uh, with the Yankees Red Sox series, and unfortunately it doesn't um, revolve around a player or anything. It revolves around an umpire, and I don't love talking refs and umpires, but this is a pretty spectacular case here. Okay, 
So Angel Hernandez was an umpire for the game last night against uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, right, at Yankee Stadium. He had five calls reviewed at first base. In other <laughs> words, the calls were close, and one team challenged, just like you do in football. They challenged the call and went to video. And they did that five times on him, right? Yeah, and like usually you only see this happen once, maybe twice in a game. Right. It happens twice in a game, and that's rare. But they, And that's for the entire crew. For the entire right, crew. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's home plate, first, second, and third base. And maybe fair and foul calls, right? That happens maybe once or twice a game. Yeah. It happened to this one umpire at first base five times. <laughs> You're like, okay, no big deal. He probably got a lot of them right because a lot of them get them right, which is super impressive. Yeah. No. He had four of his calls overturned. Wow. Four of them. And for it to be overturned, that means that ha- there has to be video evidence that it was wrong. Not just that, yeah, maybe it could have gone the other way. They have to clearly see that the call was wrong. Right. And we're used to that language in football where, okay, there has to be irrefutable evidence that this is the wrong call and we need to change it, right? Well, in this case, that happened to him four times. And the quotes by some of the former players and current players about him being an umpire are not pretty and I don't want to say them. And uh, they're just not good. And to, to tie this little story up with a cute little bow, he's behind the plate right now. Oh, yay. <laughs> he's the behind-the-plate umpire for the Red Sox-Yankees game going on as we speak. Yeah. I wonder how that's going. I guess the only thing, you, what you hope for in these types of situations is that he's equally bad towards both teams. All right, time for the segment that is slowly becoming the fourth best segment on our show. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, a segment that I've grown to love in the one week that we've had it, so I'm sure the second week's going to be even better, right? This mm. is the newly named Fantastic Five Headlines of the Week. Anthony, take it away. All right, ESPN had on their website this headline, speaking about the Major League Baseball playoffs. Which playoff teams need most need to win now? May I? <laughs> sure, David. All of them, because it's the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a silly headline. Which which playoff teams need to win now? Mm, the ones that would be eliminated if they didn't. Which is all of them. Virginia laws threaten jail for overage trick-or-treaters. What? <laughs> okay, so in Chesapeake, Virginia, there are a couple laws on the books. Um, one that if you're over 12 years old, it is actually a misdemeanor to wear a costume and go trick-or-treating for candy. You could face up to a $100 fine or six months in jail. What? What? That is so (laughs) un-American. Who's to tell me what I can and cannot do with my Halloween? The the great people of Chesapeake, Virginia, apparently. Is this the same state where people are stealing mail and putting llamas in the mail? That's their cousin to the west. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's also same place, Chesapeake, Virginia, against the law to trick-or-treat after 8 p.m. That's when the trick-or-treating gets started. That's about when it gets dark, right? Again, up to a $100 fine or 30 days in jail. You ring that doorbell at 8.01, you're in the slammer for 30 days. Okay, and I just have to say, if you're the John Smoltz-like curmudgeon that is calling on kids trick-or-treating after 8 and getting them in trouble, I don't like you. (laughs) I can say that definitively. Like, you may have some other redeeming qualities, but that one thing makes me not like you as a person. 
in Newport News, Virginia, which is a city and it not the name news- of a newspaper. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like that's, that, that's probably been confusing for me in the past. <laughs> like in Newport News, like why are we talking about the news and why is it flooding and nowhere else flooding? Anyway. So in Newport News, Virginia, um, no accompany, accompanying. That's a tough Ooh. one for you, huh? Yeah. start over on that one? No parent or ga- guardian who is with a child. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> shall wear a mask of any type so if you're out with your kid they're under age 12 obviously because that's the law (laughs) and you decide to wear um a donald trump mask or you decide to wear a ninja turtle mask Raphael's the best ninja turtle by the way just saying yeah or you decide uh to wear a mask over your feelings because you're not emotionally mature you could face (laughs) That last one's probably okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I usually have something to help you out in those moments, but I got nothing for you right now. Just keep going. I got no, nothing that, for is, you. that is also a law on the books. You cannot do that. I don't have the, the jail time or, or dollar amount fine for that. But what is, what's going on? What the, the no fun league in a state, the state of Virginia. <laughs> right? The no fun state. The no fun state. Make trick-or-treating great again, people. Or at least just don't find people and put them in jail for wearing a mask. I'm down with that. Okay. Although, no, never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Driver suspended for letting monkey steer bus. So, I don't see the problem yet, <laughs> but maybe some further explanation will help shed some light on this situation yeah, with so the this, monkey bus driver. This passenger, uh, a passenger boarded a bus in India sure. with, with their pet monkey, as one does. Clear, yeah, clearly. And, and they let their pet monkey cross the yellow line, as one should not. That's true. But I- one did. Okay. And uh, the driver didn't shoo the monkey away. In fact, he let the monkey sit on the steering wheel, grabbing it, and, um, you know, drive the bus for a little bit. Again, I'm not seeing the issue here. That's right. Who among us, David, who among us has not let some mammal drive our car at some point? A mammal drives my car every day. Exactly. Um... Me, I'm the mammal that drives my car. Just saying. Uh, so unfortunately, there was video of the incident. Ooh, that's pretty, uh, and, pretty damning. And when when you know this bus driver's uh, bosses got wind of the video, they suspended him. There's like a formal <laughs> inquiry happening. I hope the guy gets back to work soon. Error in judgment. You probably shouldn't let the monkey drive the bus, but I mean. How do you know until you try? Right. But in all seriousness, I'm sure the monkey wasn't like legitimately driving for like whole blocks at a time. No, I'm sure the, the driver had his hand on the steering right. wheel. It was mostly okay. I'm, what's going to be interesting is like the the rule that they put into the, the employee handbook after this. And like they're going to know what is like this guy's rule, like that guy's name and that rule. Like don't let a monkey drive the bus for whatever reason. Yeah. For any reason. Rock used as doorstep. Sorry. Rock used as doorstop revealed to be meteorite worth $100,000. What, what is it? Adamantium? <laughs> no, it's a 22-pound meteor. A legitimate meteor that fell from outer space that aliens used at some point, maybe. You this mean like guy's... adamantium? <laughs> this guy... I'm going to keep going with this X-Men joke. Unobtainium. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great name. Huh. It's a metal that's hard to get. It's hard to obtain. <gasps> I know. Unobtainium. So this guy bought his property in 1988. and Great year. He, and, and the previous owner was showing around the property and pointed out this rock and said, yeah, that fell from the sky in 1930. <laughs> 
so the the new owner saying thinking wow that's pretty cool hey it's pretty heavy use it as a doorstop clearly for the next 30 years and uh he was watching the news recently and saw that someone was selling uh pieces of, of a meteor meteorite for uh for substantial sums of money and so he thought huh i have a space rock <laughs> so he went to central michigan university uh and one of the the professors there the, the uh what do you call a rock professor a geologist? geologist yeah the geologist well, would an astrologist handle the rock from space though probably an astronomist Sure. <laughs> did I say astrologist? You did. <laughs> My bad. Maybe you get all three together. To, yeah, to that's probably what I was thinking out. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that makes the most sense. Uh, so so they, they examined the rock. They determined, yes, it was a meteor. And um, and based on its condition and, and size, that it's worth roughly $100,000. My gosh. You know what would be really frustrating? If the professors like are studying this, this rock and they're like, oh, if you would have brought it to us 10 years ago, we could have discovered dark matter maybe. <laughs> yeah, that... Do we want dark matter? Well, I think I've read a thing lately in some journal of science stuff saying that they do want to find dark matter and that there's this big giant machine that's like super cold to like five degrees above absolute zero that's trying to detect dark matter now. So I think they want to find dark matter. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds super believable. Um, I didn't make so that up. I did not make that up. <laughs> and so the uh, the Smithsonian and some private collectors are in the mix to to buy this space rock. Cool. Although, why not just keep it as a doorstop? Great conversation piece. Sure. I would rather buy like a $10 doorstop with the $100,000 I got from selling the old doorstop I was using. To each his own. Man uses CPR to save squirrel hit by car. Nope, not real. Uh, Extremely real. real. Nope. Nope. And video evidence. No. (laughs) Yeah. So let me set it up real quick and then we're going to go to the video. (laughs) So so, cops are driving by. (laughs) They see a dude perched over a squirrel. Looking like he's making out with this, like, immobilized rodent, right? They stop the car. They start their their body cameras. um, And this, well, take a listen. Is he giving the CPR? I think it is. Look at him. What happened? Turn around it over a little bit. Did you? Yeah, so you know. Try to help it out. Is he squished anywhere? Maybe just scared him? Huh? The tire didn't hit him though? I don't think so. Flip him over on his uh he's blinking, so Yeah. If the tire didn't hit him, he probably just got I think I scared like, him. Yeah. tumbled, you know, from yeah. the pressure of the car. It doesn't feel like he got hit by the wheels or anything? No. If he would have he would have popped, so he's He's coming around now. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Put you in for a life-saving award. <laughs> there he goes! You oh saved his I life, dude! <laughs> oh. good hey, what's your name? Hi, I'm Chris. Chris Jeremy. Nice to meet you. Have a good day, man. Hey, you too. Yep. Thank you. Okay, so, so if you couldn't hear all of the audio, the, uh, <laughs> the officer basically asked him, like, what happened. And this guy... You should look up the YouTube video. Just look up Squirrel CPR Cops. Like, that that should get you the video. Um, they approach him as he's, like, doing chest compressions on the squirrel. With a glove on. <laughs> With a glove That's important. <laughs> he took the time to get a little black glove on. Well, you have to practice uh, safe medicine, David. 
Uh, and so uh, they ask him, like, what happened? He's like, oh, I kind of ran him over a little bit. But and then the officer proceeded to ask him if, if, like, he had any tire marks or if he was squished. And the guy said, no, he wasn't really squished anywhere. My favorite is how, like, maybe the pressure from the car pushed <laughs> the squirrel away. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what kind of crazy Inspector Gadget mobile the guy is riding that he pushes yeah. a button and then like, blows pressure off to the side to ward squirrels away from the vehicle. I don't know what's going on there. And the whole time in this video, the squirrel is on its back, like, <laughs> just, like splayed right yeah like you know you know like the the chalk outline of the dead person that's yeah. what the squirrel looked like a squirrel mode like yeah. if chip and dale were in like a murder rap yeah like the squirrel is definitely dead but through some miracle he turns the squirrel over on its stomach i the squirrel regains consciousness and just like bolts because like a guy was just making out with him and everyone cheers <laughs> everyone's so excited and my favorite part is how concerned the officers are about the squirrel they're like Oh, what they're asking questions. They're like, oh, yeah. and they tell the kid he's going to get a life saving award. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. In other news, Squirrel sues the. Um, I didn't want to be saved. I was, trying to, I was trying to commit suicide. I didn't want to be saved. You owe me. Oh. oh, my gosh. Well, Dave, that's the Fantastic Five for this week. The. That's the Fantastic Five for the week. I think we really need to talk about your songs before we do them. I think that really needs to be a part of the show prep. Mm-hmm. Show meetings. We need to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Um, that sounded, overrule. Overrule. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounded like I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to hear what you're saying. Oh, that was awesome. So yeah. I uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about MMA before we got out of here. So just kind of a quick hit on that. So everyone is saying like, oh, this is bad for the sport, that big brawl between McGregor and I'm not going to try the other fighter's last name. His first name is Khabib. Yeah. Who uh, fought bears as a kid. <laughs> There's video out there of this guy fighting bears as a kid. Of course, they're bear cubs, but like legit grappling matches against bears. It looks sad, really. It's sad, and I don't recommend it for the bears or for the people. Mm -hmm. But this guy is straight up crazy, and he was enraged and jumped into the crowd to fight people. Because after being in a fight, a legitimate fight against someone who is a professional fighter, he still had enough fight and and rage in him to go and fight more people. (laughs) So... This guy is probably somewhere fighting something right now. Apparently, that's all he does. In fact, in the press conference after all this went down, like eight minutes after it happened, he is quoted as saying, I don't see why we're still talking about it. I mean, eight minutes. Like, come on. (laughs) Find something else to talk about, right? So anyway, (laughs) I'm amazed. This story just blows my mind. And people that are worried about this being bad for the MMA, it's MMA. (laughs) Right. Like it's, this, it's kind of what they do. Yeah, if this was like water polo, I would be like, okay, yeah, that's not good for water polo's image. If like a cricket player jumped into the stand with his bat and started beating people with his cricket bat or whatever they call it, a cricket. Is it a bat? Cricket bat? Uh, I think it's called um, stick. Is that what they call it? No, I have no idea. That sounds very British. That sounds like a British thing to do. Wicket. No, no, no. That, you know, <laughs> Cumberbatch. He's going to be in a Grinch movie. Biscuit. I don't, that doesn't sound very British to me, Biscuit. Biscuit with tea. Tea and biscuits. Okay, I see what you're saying now. But, I mean, I go to Red Lobster. Water chestnut. (laughs) Anyway, MMA, it's going to be fine. They're they're basically promoting as much violence as they can. Like, this is, like, like more violent than boxing. Yeah. This is, like, wrestling, but legit real. And it's all the martial arts put together. And this is the most effective martial art for hurting someone and making them want to quit fighting, which you're getting paid to do, and they all want to win. So that's what they're promoting. But then there's extra violence out in the crowd. Like, oh, no. 
there's all this pearl clutching going on. No, no, this isn't bad for the sport. It just is more interesting for mm-hmm. the sport. And this is what people want out of that sport. Yeah, and this isn't... I, I saw some reports like... I'm not saying I want it out of the sport, but I'm saying that it's, yeah. it's fine for the image. The, yeah, the MMA's s- image is not ruined by people fighting. <laughs> and I saw some reports like, oh, jumps into the... To, uh, jumps into the stands and start fighting giving the impression that like he's fighting fans no he was fighting someone from mcgregor's team who was yelling some very awful things at him not an excuse to do that but uh i think that you know the context of what actually was happening is important to and, understand and definitely both parties are at fault i mean yeah hate is never good ever even in a, in a mma fight situation love trump's hate david yeah yeah okay okay love I, just, I, I just felt like it was important to say that Sure. Yeah. You, you know what I, else I felt like it was important to say? First of all, was I promoting hate? I didn't feel like I was promoting hate. I 75% listen to what you say. So I can't say 100% certainty that you weren't doing that. Sure. Your tone didn't seem like you were doing it. So you, the 25% you sometimes listen to is tone? In other news... Um, so, shout out real quick to, to my cousin, Patty LaBella, who hosts the uh, World Women's Football Show. Awesome podcast for women's soccer. Um, okay, so, you know, women's soccer, not something I always pay attention to. It's kind of like the Olympics for me when, like, the big tournament's going on. I get interested and I try to learn about it a little bit and, and, and enjoy watching the games. Uh, but one thing that, that was in my newsfeed this week that I thought was interesting was that the Women's World Cup, which is scheduled for next summer, um, the final match is scheduled to be played July 7th, to 2019, in France. Okay, um, So you think, wow, like they have this opportunity you know, once every four years to really promote the sport of women's soccer. Uh, let's give them let's give them their stage, right? Let's promote it. Let's um, let's hype it up. Let's let this day, this tournament, be about them. And especially in America, where the only thing really going on in sports at that time, major sports in America, is going to be you know regular season baseball, which most of, most of us don't pay attention to anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, unfortunately, the, the the soccer powers that be uh, either totally overlooked it. I don't think that's the case. Or, um, or just, uh, honestly, I don't know what happened. It's kind of a total blunder. They scheduled the, here we go, CONCACAF. I could help you. CONCACAF. I only listen 75% of the time, so I don't know if you got it right or not. CONCACAF final, which is the, it's the, it's the gold cup, right? That's what they call it. I'm still only listening 75%. I don't know. I don't know. Basically, the North American, uh, the North and Central or Caribbean, anyways, the tournament for the soccer teams that include like the U.S. and Mexico and Canada. Okay, the biggest tournament outside of like the Olympics and World Cup for this region of the world, their final is scheduled on the same day as the final of the Women's World Cup final. And the same regional South American tournament, the biggest tournament in South America, their final is scheduled on the same day as the Women's World Cup final. And these aren't club teams. No. These are the international teams playing each other. Right. So that's, I feel like it's a huge slap in the face to women's soccer, to be honest. Because when it comes to soccer in America, the women's national team is the most successful soccer team we have in America. 
I mean, they're yeah. much more successful than the men's team. And the men's team, they keep telling us men's soccer is growing in America, and this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And we have new young stars that we're excited about and stuff, but it never comes to fruition. But the U.S. women's soccer team has won and continue to win and continue to be dominant. And then they schedule American soccer tournament finals the same day. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how set in stone these dates are. I did see one quote from a FIFA official that, you know, they're looking at trying to to uh, to allow everyone to have like uh, to, to, to schedule this in the most efficient way. Right. And having them all on the same day doesn't seem to be the most efficient way. Um, but so hopefully they get it sorted out before before it happens and they can let the women kind of ha- have their own stage. And is it that hard to do like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing? This can't be that hard. I mean, get your act together. All right. Last thing before we wrap it up. Um, and I can't believe we, we, we held the biggest story of, of the week, of the month. What are you talking about? Of the season. Of what uh, season? Until, until the last segment of the show. I feel like we covered just about everything I wanted to talk about. Um, I missed a big story this week. Guess who's back? Back again. Eminem? Lonzo's back. Tell a friend. Lonzo, tomorrow night, making his preseason debut. Lonzo Ball with LeBron James. Old king, new king. You cannot call Lonzo Ball the new king. I was just going to let you do this Lonzo Ball thing young, and out. Young, you cannot. You cannot call Lonzo Ball the young king. Young no, king. No. LeBron James calls him the young king. Well, that's, he's just trying to – that's the same way The same way you might call a little cousin, like your, your little buddy or something like that. I think LeBron James knows basketball better than us, David. That's true. But he is also trying to so build young up king a Le- young player. So, so young King Lonzo Ball oh. has been uh, out with a knee injury. He's back to full health. He's playing five-on-five five in practice. He's going to make his preseason debut. I'm super excited to see, see the pairing, him and LeBron, see how they, they really get the ball moving because the Lakers – were a different team when Lonzo was on the floor last season. He, his energy really uh, was infectious, and uh, the ball was was moving. And so you add LeBron, who who has that same energy and even better, right? And the, uh, and the best court vision in, in basketball. And add, add Lonzo to him. I don't think they're going to have any issues. I mean, we'll see where Lonzo's shot is at and, and if he can make some open threes. But in terms of moving the ball around and in a fast style of play, I'm really excited to see what they can do. In all seriousness, you stick Lonzo in the corner and let LeBron handle the ball sometimes. And if you get Lonzo open threes in the corner, his field goal, his three point percentage will go way up. LeBron does that with lots of players, and I think what Lonzo's shot needs is a lot of open looks to get a shot going. Because I don't think it, I don't think he can compete uh, with contested threes. But giving him open threes in the corners, we're gonna see a different player out of uh, a different Lonzo ball this year because with LeBron James. He'll get a lot of open looks where he can just take his time and let that ugly shot develop and straighten itself out. So I think Lonzo's numbers are going to go up like everyone does with LeBron James, but that's the reason why. He'll get lots of open looks, easy looks in the corner. Young King for three! Yuck. So David, quick story I came across that made me really think about what I've accomplished in my life. Um, That probably happens to you all the time. I am I am prone to moments of deep reflection of what am I doing? Why am I here? Who am I? For me that's like third period. Yeah. Uh, uh, Harper Yates, Canadian child, born to Australian parents. Okay, okay. So a Canadian 
Australian parents living in Canada had a baby named Harper. Okay. okay. I, I'm with you now, mate. Yep. Uh, five months ago. And these Australian parents, they were, uh, they had a goal. They wanted to see every state in the United States. Even Nevada? Even Battleborn, Nevada. How about that? Home means Nevada. Home means the hills. Home means the sage and the pine. I could do more, but I won't. Thank you. I'm saving it for my album. Okay. Uh, Songs of Nevada. They were 19 states into their goal. Okay. So two-fifths, roughly, of the way through when they had Harper. And they decided, why not let Harper come do this journey with us? So they started over. And... They will complete their goal of visiting all 50 states since Harper's birth next week, ending up in Vermont. So she will become the youngest member of the, quote, all 50 states club, which I learned today is a club. Cool. Do they have jackets? Um, if not, they should think about making them. I'm sure there's pins or lapels. Or they, should, some... they should have a club handshake. Lapels. Can you make a lapel? Isn't that part of a shirt? Well, people make lapels all the time. A lapel usually, pin. Yeah, it's usually attached to a suit. Ah, yeah. A so, lapel. Mm. So I think they should have a 50 sequence, like a 50-step handshake. And like one each each movement or gesture should have something to do with each state. Like for Nevada, you could deal a card. Right? For Virginia, you could put something in a mailbox, but take something from the mailbox. Oh, I'm sorry. West Virginia. West Virginia. In Virginia, you can play like, like you're trick-or-treating. But mm. only if you're under the age of 12. If you're over the age of 12, you have to call the police on somebody who is trick-or-treating so after what, eight. Is, wait, what is this? Is this like a secret handshake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a secret handshake. But e- they, like each gesture or movement of the handshake represents one of the, like something about that state. Yeah, that's a very long handshake, David. Sure, it's like Rajon Rondo's but handshake I guess, at the beginning I of guess games. it's pretty rare that you're going to run into a member of the, quote, all 50 states club. Right, apparently it can't be that hard. If you're five months old, you can do it. Well... Hey, not every baby can do this, David. She's blowing away the current record holder uh, of two years old. <laughs> so, you know what's going to happen? Some some couple that has a ton of money and nothing to do <laughs> is going to take their two-month-old baby around around the country and, and fly him to Alaska and Hawaii and, like, in your face. And then someone, like, is going to have a baby on the plane on their way to their, like, first date. And yeah. do, like, it's going to hey, get weird. It's going to get weird real quick. I don't. I mean, if you've ever traveled with a small child, especially Ugh. a newborn baby, doing a fifty-state road trip, I couldn't imagine many things uh, more difficult than yeah. that. Because you, you don't you don't get to just like drive for hours and hours. You have to stop every time they need a diaper change or need to eat. Like that's a lot of stopping along the way. Yeah, I have no way to end this segment effic- efficiently or effectively. So how do we end it? Um, I'm just going to push this button. Which button? Oh, that button. Go ahead. <laughs>